Exactly. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Moot Points. And today we're going to do a sort of um, Christmas extravaganza. That's what I've put on the script anyway. Um, <laughs> so this is how it's going to break down. So me, myself and Jack, unfortunately, Mac is busy today doing Christmas things. Um, so myself and Jack are going to run down our top five moments of this year. And then we're going to have um, a quiz where each of us have done, I think it's five questions, isn't it? So you're going to have five questions on yeah American yeah we'll see, <laughs> and I've got five questions on I think it's Brexit I think um, oh, a bit bad on that Mac was supposed to do five on British politics overall, but I suppose Brexit has just been British politics overall this year anyway hasn't it? Um, so would you like to start with your top five moments of this year or shall I? Your choice. <laughs> Uh, I, you know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to let you go first. You, you've done right, so much okay. for this podcast over the year. I feel, I feel like it's only fair for you to go first. Okay, so I've listed five, and I'll I'll just I'll just listed them um, randomly, but they could be in ascending order, I suppose. So we'll start with number five. I really enjoyed seeing Trump's handwriting. Um, not that long ago now, is it? When he was doing uh, a little impromptu press conference, was, it, was he on his way to Marine One or something? I believe so. Yeah, big bold black writing i want yeah. nothing i want nothing i want no quid pro quo um mr Selinsky will do the right thing this is the final word from the president so it's up to you whether you think that's the actual conversation that happened between him and president Zelensky of the ukraine <laughs> um, but that wasn't the final word was it jack <laughs> no no it was uh it, it was not this is only a very small beginning <laughs> no i think trump's quite unique isn't he how he gives sort of really on the cuff press conferences on his way to Marine One, because I think I was reading in Sokol's book how that's quite. Different. I mean, yeah, he, he does sometimes stand right next to air, like uh, sorry, to Marine One as it's about to take off. You know, so the airplane rotors, like the helicopter rotors, are spinning. Uh, his hair's blowing all over the place, and all he can hear is like the thud, thud, thud of a, of a helicopter about to take and off, and sort of scream over the. Yeah, and there's, like... pre- there's President Trump giving a press conference. It's all very, it's all very yeah. different. <laughs> Obama definitely had more official yeah. um, press conferences in the briefing room, didn't they? It just makes more um, sense. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. good to hear your press conference. But um, Trump is not the one to have, you know, ordered official um, press conferences, is he? Of course, um, of course. But you could say that it's more useful for the press to have sort of improvised, unprepared sort of remarks from the president, and more interesting. Anyway, that's my number five. I really enjoyed that. Number four. It's quite a small one. I don't know if you remember it or not, but it was the Queen appearing behind Donald Trump. Oh, his yes. First UK <laughs> <laughs> yes. Was, I, I did. Um, he was inspecting the guard and he just suddenly stopped and the Queen came from behind him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> that was a very awkward moment. But I also love how earlier, no, not very long ago, a few weeks ago, um, he came to the UK for the NATO summit and said, I'm not going to get involved with the UK election. And then immediately endorsed Boris Johnson and uh, denounced uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Yep, as um, Donald said, is so good at. <laughs> and said that uh, he doesn't want the NHS, um, even if it was handed to him on a silver platter. It's not for sale. Um, and obviously Corbyn was trying to suggest that throughout the campaign. And Labour immediately said, played on the trustworthiness of Donald Trump, saying, do you really believe him when he says that? Um, so it sort of put their election strategy off... Um, of course, for just a second there. Um, but I actually really enjoyed watching the coverage of, of Trump um, coming here and his reaction to everything and how he was, he uh, reveled in 
the Queen meeting the Queen and how he dined at Buckingham Palace with his bow tie and um, I thought it was uh, quite entertaining to watch actually. Um, but number three, we have it's something to do with Jacob Rees-Mogg. Can you guess what I'm going to say, Jack? Is it is it Jacob Rees-Mogg lounging on the front bench of Parliament? Oh no, actually. Oh, isn't it? Oh, I was so confident. Three I got that. Guess. Oh. Um... Is it how he was kept locked away during the election campaign? Because we didn't see anything. Of no, it, did that's we? a good one, though. He was oh, sort of, I think he voluntarily this... did that. Either that or he got sort of a little word in his ear saying, do you mind um, <laughs> shutting up. it down? <laughs> yeah. But it's the little oh, list you're that me, for the grammar. Excuse me. Oh, yes. The grammar and the um, advice of how to write letters and so We discussed that on a podcast, we didn't did. we? We did. Um, so just to remind you all, um, listeners... Organisations are singular. All non-titled males, Esquire. I'm not sure about females, but I'm guessing we didn't think about that. Um, there is no... Oh, no, he did. There is no after... There is no dot after Miss or Ms. MPs, there's no need to write MP after their name in the body text. And so on. So. Sure. He's very particular about uh, about that, clearly, isn't he? Uh, that was that created quite the storm, I remember, when that was uh, leaked on Twitter. Yeah. But... It was people sort of saw it as a surprise, but I don't see that as a, as a surprise. This is Jacob Rees Mogg we're talking about. So I mean, I it's a very Mogg thing to do, isn't didn't it? Didn't issue anything like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I find it odd if we didn't do that, to be honest. Um, but that's my number three. Number two was the cabinet massacre. Oh the, yes, uh, the, the night of the long knives when sixteen cabinet members were ousted. Um, mm. That. And Theresa May, of course, um, this summer when Johnson came in and he brought in the likes of... Was Gove in the cabinet already when he was moved to the Chancellor of the Duchy of London? Yes, I believe so. I believe so. And then people like Quasi Quartet, obviously Jacob Rees-Mogg came in, cleverly became um, the chairman of the party, um, Johnny Mercer, veterans secretary, um, and so on and so on. And it was just the scale um, mm-hmm. of how so many people were, were ousted. Um, so that is why it's mine. The very well. definition of reshot. Yes, it was just—it was a massive call. I was expecting about maybe. I suppose it's not a surprise because Theresa May's cabinet, it was very much a David Cameron cabinet in a sense, really. Yeah, yeah, true. A continuation of his his uh, way of thinking, and Theresa May was not very different in that respect. Um, and they all pretty much agreed with Theresa May's. Um, deal and her approach of um, sort of pursuing a close relationship with the with the EU to preserve the economy, sort of damage limitation. And then Johnson came in; his approach is very much more ruthless in a way. He he came in and said, "We're going to do this differently. We're going to." Oh yes, he said, "Jude," didn't he? In his yeah, uh, leadership yeah. campaign, he pronounced "Jude" as "Jude." Um, Jude, and he was all about this. <laughs> sort of get rid of the gloomsters we're gonna do yeah so it's not really much as much of a surprise in hindsight but my number one would you like a guess jack would you like a guess oh, um I I, there's really just there's so many initially your number one um... okay i'll give you a clue a racket oh Oh, is this to do with um, the UK Supreme Court saying that um, Johnson's prorogation of Parliament was illegal? 
It is indeed. Yes. <laughs> I like how you got it from that one clue. Hall's brooch. <laughs> With a spider. Hale's, um, had oh, yeah, Lady Hale, sorry. Doing yeah. down of the, um, of the yeah. Northern boy, Boris Johnson. Essentially saying that he, well, he and the Privy Council were untruthful to the monarch, the queen. The queen. Um, and usually courts are obviously allergic to politics. They try and stay out of it as possible. But this time, the court waded in um, very, very significantly. And in doing so, sort of altered our unwritten constitution. So this is a pres- precedent now. Fu- in the future, courts could get involved more with, with politics. We haven't seen that as of yet. But um, I think I'm predicting that Johnson will be in government for a while now, thanks to his election victory. Yeah. So maybe if he carries on governing like he did in his early days, trying like testing the limits of our constitution, maybe the courts will step in more from from then on. But I remember hearing I the news. F- no, go on. Go on. No, go on. I remember hearing the news on the train. I was immensely mm. excited on the way to university, and I was the only one on the train that I noticed who who'd even reacted. <laughs> yeah. No, I was sat in. Um... I was sat in a class at uni, and mm. we'd got it on. We'd got it on a TV screen because we were in a proper newsroom. Yeah, um, and everybody was kind of just sat typing away, and I was there like, guys, why does nobody care about this? Like, <laughs> the, the prime minister's just lied to the queen. This is not an issue. <laughs> Which lecture was it? Um, it was a self-directed lecture, so like we were sat right, okay. um, like writing news stories and stuff. I was going to say because if it had something to do with politics, I'd be surprised. Well, can you? Yeah, exactly. Can you I'd imagine? Be surprised if no one else um, cared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a bit weird. But um, those those are my top five happenings of a year in which many things happened. <laughs> this is I think this has been the hardest re- research and prep I've ever done for this podcast because it's been <laughs> so hard to take just a, five moments. <laughs> it's quite the extravaganza. I'll give you that. Yeah. Right. I think I shall hand over to you now, Jack. With your top. Okay. Five. So five moments from the other side of the pond from the United States that have taken my eye this year. Um. Would you like a guess of any of them? I feel like you might be able to guess some of them. Um, um, obviously, Trump actually getting impeached. Yeah, one? yeah, that's that's number two. I've mm. got as number two. Oh, number um, two. Yeah, so Ooh. Trump becomes the third president ever to be in, well, sorry, second and third. Can't yeah, third president ever to be impeached. Um, the only president ever to be impeached during his first term. Oh, really? Which is, it really says yeah. something about him, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> so the other one was Bill Clinton and... Andrew Johnson Andrew in the Johnson. 1860s, yeah. Is that the one who Trump has on his wall, Andrew Johnson? Yeah, yeah. which is a nice twist of fate, isn't it? Yeah. I um, was actually. I didn't think of that before. Yeah. yeah. And um, we've got a couple of questions about that later, so I won't delve into that too much. Okay. Um, we'll come on to impeachment later. Um, so you've got my number two. I'll start with number five. Or make it seem like he's a really great president. He'll go onto Twitter and tweet about how great the stock market's going. And I've noticed this. Yeah. Maybe once a week, every week this year. So this is this is my number five because it, it, for me it epitomizes kind of I don't want to say out of touch Donald Trump is with the ordinary person, but for most people, when you te- when you say to them how are you judging like how your life's going, they don't say. <laughs> By how great the stock market is. Oh, the stock going. market is up. Yeah, exactly. So I think that really just kind of epitomized the divide in the United States right now between um, the president and his party and his fans 
who will use anything to say this presidency is going really well, you know, even if it's the stock market, which to most people seems quite elusive or, you know, it's not, it's not something they, they judge their own life by. Opposition who have rallied against him for the best part of three and a half years. Um, I think it displays what Trump judges as success. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he's very much economically centred and that sugar boost that he gave with the tax reductions straight away when he came into office. Mm. And that's a very big reason why people voted for him in the first place as well. People kept saying he's a businessman. He knows what he's talking about with business. He wrote a book, The Art of the Deal. The Art of the Deal, indeed. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll come on to that in a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that's number five. Number four. I've noticed as well, sorry, that when he ends those tweets, he goes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, everyone. Today he tweeted something about being your favourite president, as if we had a choice in having another one who might be our favourite. But whatever. Yeah. We'll, we'll come on. <laughs> It's like Johnson called his government the people's government. If I ever had the opportunity to say something, I'd say, well, if this is the people's government, what was the, what were the other governments? About yeah, there? right. <laughs> were they not the people's government? <laughs> obviously, it's obviously it's um, it's campaign rhetoric. Right, of course. Government. Yeah. But but I'd still put that to him. It does make for a laugh, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. OK, number four. Um, this is quite a small one, actually. I'd forgotten about it until I was doing a little bit of reading earlier. Um at a campaign rally, Trump, and I feel like you might remember this when I tell you about it, Trump managed to get his fans to chant, send her home in regard to mm. Representative Ilhan Omar and her members of the squad. The squad are for yeah. um, House Democrats, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who are quite quite radical in their, I think, beliefs, given that most of the Democratic Party right now is fairly centrist. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the most shocking thing here, I guess, isn't the fact that he got them to chant, send her home. It's that all four of them are American citizens anyway. So they are already home. <laughs> Not to I mention mean, the fact that they're all representatives of colour, which is the real issue here. So mm-hmm. obviously there was a whole flare up about racial tensions again from there. But yeah, this is not how mm-hmm. presidents usually do things. <laughs> to me... I watched the footage of that rally that you're talking about, and, mm. and the president he sort of looked a bit, dis- looked a bit uncomfortable when the, when the crowd started to full on chant that. Yeah, um, but obviously he'd he'd want that. Well, you, I think you're right well. to pick up on that because a lot of news outlets did as well. But the important thing to mention there mm. is that he didn't get them to stop. He kind of didn't say yes. he didn't carry on like the chanting with her like he did with lock her up with Hillary. But he also yeah. didn't say. Whoa, guys! Like that's too far. We don't do that on this campaign. So yeah, yeah, that's a very sort of important line, isn't it? To let it carry on, not do anything at all. Yeah, he's it. kind so of bystanding. He yeah, knows, he knows about this inciting of this rhetoric from from his um, target audience. So he definitely knows what he's doing in that sense. Yeah. So that that was a, an uncomfortable one of many uncomfortable moments I've had this year. <laughs> it has to be said. Um, number three. Okay, so this made a lot of news on Twitter, and it's it's kind of a more lighthearted story. It kind of sums up the Donald Trump campaign. Um, You've joined Twitter this year. I have joined That's Twitter. I finally joined Twitter. Yeah, it's my own Follow personal him. highlight. I was forced into it by my university. All right, I'm not going to say anymore, but <laughs> it was kind of a requirement to get into my course. So yeah, I'm not surprised. I was I was strong handed in onto Twitter, but whatever. <laughs> um, number three. So the Clemson Tigers won the National College American Football Championships in January. 
Uh, and with that comes an invite to the White House, um, to which Donald Trump decided he would serve these fine athletes, McDonald's and Wendy's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you remember this? <laughs> I remember the photo of him standing over it. And it, some sort of he looked McDonald's really pleased, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. There was five and a half thousand dollars worth of McDonald's and Wendy's on that table. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. Has anything like that happened in the White House before? Not that I can I think of. That, <laughs> I know that Chelsea Clinton ordered pizza once, but... That didn't get inside the White House, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. That's the first time that amount of fast food has arrived in the White it's, House. Can, can you imagine being the McDonald's? Like, this is the president. <laughs> we need three and a half thousand dollars worth of McDonald's, please, de- delivering to sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue, the White House immediately. Is that oh, it? and who's it for? The college football champions, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just hangs up the phone. Like, I don't believe that. <laughs> it didn't help his sort of image that he's sort of a fast food fan. I think his physician, I can't remember his name now, but he was Obama's physician as well. Mm. And he said that he needed to, like, he was healthy, but he needed to lay off the burgers and the fries, didn't he? And what, and what so better way to celebrate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've, we've, we've done number two, which is impeachment. Oh, two, two. Yeah. So number one, any guesses? I can't seem to think of anything that's bigger than impeachment. Can I have a clue? Um, geopolitics. Right. Was it when he went off in a tantrum from the NATO summit? Not the last one, but the one before. It wasn't, but that's also a great moment. That, is that the one where the picture of Angela Merkel came when she was sat yeah. with a really sturdy face? I think, might been, I think it might have been last year, wasn't it? Hard to keep track. Is it something to do with his, with his visits here? Oh, hang on. Is it something to do with his visits here? Uh, it's not here. Let me... Sh- shall I... Got Helsinki? <laughs> no, no. Kim Jong-un, when he crossed the border. Yes, he's got it. He's got yes. there. Yeah. They're crossing... <laughs> the impromptu, of... the impromptu meeting, yeah. Yeah, when they held hands and crossed into the North Korean border, which made yeah. Donald Trump well. the first president <laughs> ever to um, to visit North Korea. Yeah, and I thought, I remember, of all the titles, yeah, yeah, of all the things that Donald Trump's done first, that's actually quite a good it one. It was really early <laughs> in the morning, and I was on, obviously, when I wake up, I go straight on Twitter, as with any mm. normal person. Mm. <laughs> and I just That's how we live nowadays. Oh, yeah. Um, especially budding journalists like ourselves. Of course. Um, and I just I just saw the video clip of them crossing the border, and it was, I was literally, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, yeah. That is massive. And it, was, it wasn't planned either, was it? No, I don't think so. It didn't look Kim like Jong-un it. just gestured towards him, like, why not cross? Yeah. And it was a big uh, propaganda coup for him as well to be sort of legitimised on the world stage with the US president stepping yeah. over the border. North Absolutely. Korea is a legitimate nation now. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty much an endorsement, isn't it, if you're prepared to mm-hmm. accept your, uh, your country's leader's invitation to your country. So, yeah. It was obviously beneficial to both because he got yeah of course boost of ratings at home with him bringing peace between <laughs> the u.s and north korea which may, may or may not last we shall see yeah we'll see how that goes <laughs> and then of course kim jong-un got a big propaganda boost from it at home anyway so huge. a win-win for everybody yeah win-win so those are your top five and they are very good ones may i say And now prepare yourself for the Moot Points Quiz of the Year. 
There we go. I hope you enjoyed that jingle. Uh, but do you want to go first, Jack, or shall I begin this round? Oh, I mean, let, let's carry on as we were. Please, please go ahead. Just be prepared for me to absolutely suck at this because I'm not, I'm not feeling like very confident right now. Oh, so me neither. Me neither. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> But um, I may have been a bit mean with these questions. Some oh, might be, some might be <laughs> more easier than um, others. But my category was, of course, Brexit. So the logical place to begin is number question number one. By how many votes was Theresa May's deal rejected during the first meaningful vote? <sighs> is this the one she lost by the biggest majority ever? Yes, in parliamentary history. Uh, yeah. I can remember this. Ah, uh, I want to say can have thirty either way. Oh, okay. Well, it was. T- I feel like the number in my head is two hundred and forty-two. It's two thirty. Well done. Oh, well. well done. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, one, <laughs> one tick. Number one. So, number two. In which country did Boris Johnson leave the Prime Minister Javier Bettel to face the media alone this September? Oh no. <laughs> Empty podium, dip. Oh, that was Luxembourg. It was indeed. Wasn't it? Oh, you're pulling me. <laughs> Diving into the depths of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Question number three. Um, Angela Merkel's former political ally, Ursula von der Leyen, replaced Jean-Claude Juncker in which role this year? No. No. Oh, it's so difficult. Um, <laughs> oh, it's on, mate. This is on the tip of my tongue. There's, there's so many slight different. There are a lot of jobs in the oh. No. Oh, this is so annoying. If my, if my, <laughs> one of my lecturers could hear me now talking about like how the European Parliament works. It was the president of the European Commission. Damn, damn it. Mm. It's on the tip of my tongue, I'm telling there you. Was, there is a lot of EU roles to remember, I'll give you that. Oh. Um, so you have two out of three so far. Question number four. What did President Trump advise Theresa May to do to the EU during his visit this summer? Oh, no. <laughs> it was a very, very Trumpian, no-nonsense advice. Because Theresa May was in <sighs> difficulty with negotiations, bear in mind at this point. I mean, I feel like I can't remember, but I feel like the obvious answer would be to just cut, like. Please excuse us whilst Jack's Wi Fi gets itself together. Your call is very important to us. You are currently caller number one. We now rejoin the quiz as Jack hears that Trump advised Theresa May to sue the EU during his visit in the summer. He said to sue them. Yeah, he did. I don't remember that. This this is Trump at his finest, isn't it? Everything's a business deal. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to have seen what happened if if Theresa May actually did sue them. (laughs) On what grounds? It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I don't think it would have gone that well. No. Especially since it was Britain who instigated the negotiations in the first. Right. <laughs> um, so, question number five. This, this is a fun one. End my misery. It was revealed that John Burko said the word "utia" 
more than how many times Love it. during his tenure oh my as common speaker? You have within 2000. Oh, wow. Within 2000? <laughs> during his entire tenure. Are you joking? Oh. Okay, to give me some thinking time, to, I'm going I'm to use some stalling tactics. Where did you find this information? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, like, I'd, we need one about John Burko because we three are quite enthusiastic about him. And I thought, that could be said, yes. Thought, a large-scale question to finish off. What has he done a lot? He said order a lot. So I just typed it. Who has recorded this? So, I don't know. I'm guessing it's the... Who's um... been sat and paid to find this information out? <laughs> I'm guessing it's... Is it Hansard? Is that the... Is yeah. The parliamentary recording? Yeah. Now, isn't it? So... <sighs> it's over 10,000. I'll give you that. And, it, and you get within 2,000. You get within 2,000. How many times did John Burko say order as Speaker of the House? Within 2,000 and over 10,000. Let's go with 18,000. Oh, 14,000. Oh, no. Overestimated his ordering ability. (laughs) You know what? There's no limit to his ordering ability. (laughs) Have you seen he's given the alternative Christmas message this year? No, I haven't. Yeah. I, th- I don't know what channel it's we'll on, but I think it's about watch. quarter past four. Channel yeah. four or something? <laughs> I'd imagine so, yeah. Right, so you, you uh, achieved two out of four, two out of five, Jack. You know what? I'll, I would have taken which that is, beforehand. Which is not the worst in the world. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. You're quite right. So, moving on to happenings in the US of A. Well, as you can probably imagine, most of them are going to be impeachment-based because it's been such a huge issue. Of course. Uh, there are a couple of trick questions in here, I'm not going to lie, okay. um, but you'll probably be able to spot them if you've been paying attention, so <laughs> I ha- I've got faith in you, Adam, I've got faith in you. If I've been paying attention, okay. I'm sure you have. <laughs> okay, so... Can I just say, before, uh, I have mainly been focusing yeah? on British stuff. <laughs> well, I, I impeachment like has looking, made the news, isn't it? But I do like looking at uh, US stuff as well, so I have no excuse. <laughs> All right, well, should we start with a nice easy one? Go on then. Uh, what did Donald Trump famously call Kim Jong-un on Twitter in September? Rocket Man. Yes. <laughs> Little Rocket Man. <laughs> Brilliant, honestly. Such a such a stupid way to inflame tensions in another country. But Maybe he's a secret Alton John fan. You know what? Who could blame him? No. Yeah, exactly. Who can blame him? Yeah. Um, okay, so there, that's one out Fox of one. News with his headphones on. Yeah, sip, sipping his Diet Coke. Yes. I can just imagine it. During presidential, presidential time. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so one out of one. Um, how many Democrats voted for impeachment? Oh. oh, sorry, no. Let me rephrase that one. You might have to cut that bit out, sorry. <laughs> That's a hard... That would have been a very hard question. I wouldn't have got that. Um, how many Democrats voted against impeachment in the House? I'm going to say... And the answer isn't zero. Right. I'm going to say four. Yeah, you, you're pretty much about right, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so so there were two articles of impeachment that were tried or well, went through the House. Um, mm. The first one, which was abuse of power, I think, had three. Right. Um, and one Democrat, Tulsi Gabbard, who's running for president, voted uh, in abstention. So she that technically does, doesn't vote, isn't a vote for... Um, yeah. impeachment so I, I'd give you that yeah but it's not uh, and the either. second one <laughs> well no it's true but it's not a vote yeah. for in the question well yeah you know 
you know, whatever. <laughs> it wasn't a vote in favour, so that, that's what I was looking for. Um, <laughs> and then the second one, which was abuse of power, had um, three with two voting against and then Tulsi Gabbard voting present again. So I'd give you a half a mark for that because that was okay, an unfair question. Um, a trick question. Probably shouldn't have told you it was a trick question, but we'll go with it. <laughs> How many Republicans voted in favour of impeachment? All of them. No, no way. In no, favour no, no, no. of it. Oh, Adam. No. None of them. <laughs> mm. You're quite right. A unified party. Not one Republican voted against the president I mean, on either article. I mean, who would dare against? Well, yeah, you get a Twitter storm against you, wouldn't mm. you? Yeah. And you could lose uh, quite a lot of influence or even your job very quickly, I'd imagine. Anyway. I wouldn't be, especially if you're on a committee, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Yeah. Um, Okay, so t- you've already done better than me. That's two and a half out of three. <laughs> to be fair, I was um, my questions. I don't know. I, I think I've been generous, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you can say you were mean if you want. Um, in total, at the, at the highest number when most were involved, how many Democrats have, have said they're going to run against Trump this year, including the ones that have dropped out currently? Right. So I'm trying to imagine the stage of the debates. So there's at least seven. And there might be a few I've not heard of yet. So I'm going to go for ten. Oh. Oh. Also kind of an unfair question, because not everybody who's running makes the stage for debates. Right. Because there are certain there are certain rules in the US that mean you can't get on the debate stage if you don't have certain amounts of uh, polling and okay, funding. Complete. So a quick check with the New York Times earlier had... In total, twenty-five Democrats. Oh, it's been like at some a point, contest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Currently, there's still fifteen. Right. Um, but as you said, only seven made the debate stage last week yeah. because of Democrat Party rules and um, electoral commission rules. Mm. So, twenty-five—that's insane. That insane. It's like everybody thinks they can beat Trump this year, and I'm not sure it's going to be that straightforward. Oh, no, definitely not. Especially with impeachment. Yeah, absolutely. Bite, that's, that's throwing a whole new span in the world. the Democrats in the end. Yeah. Would you like a fun last one? Go on. Then. According to Twitter, how many tweets has the president sent since he first joined Twitter? <laughs> and I'll give it you within. Oh God, uh, I don't even know. Um, it's such a big number. I'll give it you within. Let's go two. Th- oh no, you gave me two thousand. Let's go five thousand. Right. I'm going to see how many tweets I've done since starting Twitter. <laughs> do you tweet presidential harassment every day? No. <laughs> Wait, how do you have a look? I can't find it. Damn it. Um, right, so how many am I allowed in, sorry? Within 5,000 each way. I'm going to guess... Right, let's go for around 15,000. According to Twitter... Donald Trump has sent 47.4 thousand tweets since he first got his account. I underestimated that vastly. You you underestimated the president's tweeting ability, mate. I shall never do that again. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Literally. (laughs) So keep an eye out on that feed. Yeah, I don't think I've done that many since joining Twitter in 2011. So. <laughs> um, you can see when you go on your own profile and scroll down a little bit, where, when it replaces your cover picture, it replaces it with your name and the number. Ah, right. So I've sent 335 since June. I've done 7,170. God. Since 2011. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Trump bad, I suppose. 47,000 
in one year. I don't know when he started his account. Two years. That's the only problem. But well, yeah, that is. Yeah, that puts things in perspective, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> so anyway, you win. You win the Christmas extravaganza quiz with two and a half points. Oh, I didn't expect that. By half a point. I didn't expect. <laughs> I didn't expect to get two for me, to be honest. <laughs> By half a point. Basically, a hung parliament there. Fine margins. <laughs> right, so we shall finish off this Christmas special of midpoints with five predictions from us both about what is going to happen in 2020. The end of the decade, the start of a new point. So, I guess I'm going to start this one as well. So, number one. Please. Britain will leave the European Union. That's number one. Really? Is that what we're doing? In, on January the 31st, because Boris Johnson has won this huge majority, the largest of a Tory PM since Margaret Thatcher, we're going to leave the European Union on 31st January. That's going to happen. Whether or not we shall get a trade deal by the end of the year, that's very unlikely. Um, and Boris Johnson has made it illegal to give an extension to that period of negotiation. Mm, yeah. But he can always, I'm guessing... Go back on that and add an extension on if if it was essential at the end of the year. But who knows? Next December we could be facing a no deal Brexit again, so to speak. Yeah. No deal. Very true. Very true. Brexit's not just going to go away in January. No, oh, no, definitely not. This is just the next chapter. It will be heading on for years and years and years and years. So can can I just question your definition of prediction? Because I feel like you've taken one of our facts and just said because they haven't <laughs> happened yet, that makes it a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. like me saying Donald Trump will face an election in November 2020. <laughs> I was struggling at first. To be very honest. So I just started to say. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so okay. number two. Following on from that, there will be another extension in December of some sort, and the PM will backtrack on his banning of one um, earlier this month. So I believe there will be some sort of extension of negotiations at the end of December for the trade negotiations. Do you agree? Yes. Good. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. Number three, I'm putting my money where my mouth is and saying that Trump, if he's not impeached, of course, will be re-elected in 2020. Interesting. That is my prediction. I think his campaign will turn the impeachment inquiry into the narrative of a witch hunt that he wants. And his core will obviously be behind him and people will see his side of the argument through his campaign, through his magnifying glass, through his mirror. And people... I don't know about you, but I've been watching lots of videos from lots of news organisations, like, interviewing uh, the American public yep. about the impeachment, and they just don't care. Mm-hmm. No, no, it is quite strange. The amount of apathy is quite astounding, to be honest. I think that will play into Trump's hands. Okay. And that is why, I think, in a nutshell, he will be re-elected next year. But it will be a very exciting election, very exciting indeed. I'm very looking forward to it. Um, number four, Johnson, Prime Minister Johnson, will consolidate his power ahead of and at least 10-year premiership, in my opinion. Wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> if this year he either has success in inverted commas with Brexit negotiations, if he succeeds in doing it without an extension, if there is an extension, he might succeed in spinning it to make it about Parliament again. Um, but going off his election success and his huge majority 
and the success of his core message, and he might keep that up. I think that this is just the start of Prime Minister Johnson's premiership, and I think we're in for a very long haul with this with this Prime Minister. That's my opinion. That is my prediction. Okay. Interesting. Do you agree? Um, I can't see where it ends. To be honest, yeah, I think I, I don't think it's necessarily as much. I mean, you you've put it in a very positive way in terms of Boris Johnson, but I think the way the way I'm seeing it is a very negative way in any form of opposition. If that makes yeah, sense, that, so that has helped him. <laughs> I I think he's going to be kept in power because of no alternative. Labour is in turmoil at the moment. They are soul searching yeah, that's for their core yeah. message, their stance, whether to go back to the centre with the Blairites or to stick on the far left with the new leader. I noticed that Keir Starmer started the his leadership campaign with keeping up the yeah. anti-austerity, the um, sort of left-wing um, approach, not maybe as extreme as Corbyn, but still on that same sort of area, that same path. Um, and I yeah. think people like Rebecca Long-Bailey will also adopt that um, that approach. Maybe Emily Thornberry might be a little bit more to the centre. We shall see, we shall see. But um, at this moment, leadership um, contenders may have to divert from what they actually think to appease the momentum and left-wing Labour um, membership that they have acquired since Corbyn um, took power. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. whilst Labour figure themselves out and re- recuperate, Johnson will take advantage of that and consolidate his power. That's my, that's my, uh, that's my prediction. That seems very logical. So number yeah. five, tensions between London and Holyrood will, es- will escalate as Nicola Sturgeon seeks an, an independence referendum number two. I think that's inevitable. I think it will happen at yeah. some point in the near future, especially after the SNP's extremely strong showing um, in the general election. Um, and we shall see. I think if another one happens, they may just get independence. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah. We shall see. We shall see. But I think an independence referendum number two is inevitable. Whether that will happen next year, I do not think so. I think if there is one, it will happen either in 2021 or 2022. But the tensions between London and Holyrood will escalate um, in the coming year. That will be a big theme. So, those are my predictions. It Interesting. Like you agree Interesting. With, with them? I'd say most okay. of them, yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. What are you thinking will happen in 2020, Jack? Well, I have to say, having heard yours, I've gone, I've gone very off the wall with mine, all right? Because I, I was um, gone a little bit global, shall we say, but I'll try and keep it, yeah, I'll try and keep it relevant. Yeah, centric thinking about it. <laughs> There's a world out there, Adam. <laughs> I do apologise the world. <laughs> okay, well, following on from your fifth one, um, my first one is that I don't think there'll be Indy Ref 2 next year either, but I, I do think the Supreme Court is going to be um, at play again with the UK's constitution because Boris Johnson's obviously said key part of his campaign was that he wouldn't give Scottish referendum, uh, sorry, Scottish independence any referendum again. Um, Nicola Sturgeon now, obviously, with her with her batch of MPs, shall we say, um, would appear to believe that there's a, a mandate for it. And like you said, there's this there's a point, isn't there, where Boris Johnson saying no and Nicola Sturgeon saying yes doesn't get settled. So it's going to take some sort of arbitrator. And to me, that is the court. That's, um, yeah, that's very interesting, actually. Yeah. So, I, like I say, I don't think I don't think India Ref will come, even if the courts vote in favour of saying or are in favour of saying Boris needs to give Nicola Sturgeon a, a referendum somehow. I, I'm not the sure. 
I don't know what the specifics of it would be, but I do think the courts will be in there play. There could even be conflict between the Supreme Court in England and the High Court in Scotland. Right. Which is making for a fascinating legal yeah. battle, I think. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we shall have to see they, on that um, one. They concurred with the prorogation. They reached the state. They uh, did. There, but they did, they yeah. will on this one, we shall see. We shall see. Very interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's, you've given me a nice follow-on <laughs> there. Thank you for that. Um <laughs> I also picked up on the Labour um, leadership contest, and I stuck my neck out on the line. Um, I'm thinking Keir Starmer will get it. I agree. It just. Because he seems... Yeah, I, th- I think Rebecca Long-Bailey seems to have got been getting a lot of press coverage recently, particularly on Twitter. Maybe it's just my, my circle. Um, there have been good things said about her, but um, yeah, I feel like most people can somehow... I think a majority of Labour people could relate in one way or another to Keir Starmer. So I feel like he's going to be the one that gets gets in, even though he is a Corbyn ally and has made no secret about that. So whether that actually changes much of the Labour Party or not, I'm not sure. But I, I see Keir Starmer being chosen as the next Labour leader. Yes, I'd agree. Just, yeah. um, oh, good. Good. I'm <laughs> pleased. Um, <laughs> so I have agreement on this podcast. Are we ever going to fall out? <laughs> well, you never know. Actually, yeah, we, we, we are going to fall out because I don't think Donald Trump will get re-elected in Ooh. 2020. And that might just be my optimism. But I, I think people have had okay. enough, particularly on the opposition. And I think, I mean, to be fair, to be fair to the opposition, Hillary Clinton got three million more votes than Donald Trump last yeah. time round. But the electoral college doesn't work like that. So whatever. I think the opposition in states where Trump won, like Pennsylvania and Michigan, have had enough because Florida is well, hard because it is Florida pretty much represents like the mixing part of America in a state because it is, it is so diverse. So if it does vote Democrat, it'll only just vote Democrat in the same way. It only just it's votes Republican sort of bell bell and always state. has. Yeah. yeah. So Florida is analysts and pollsters pretty much tend to stay away from mm-hmm. Florida because it's, it is so hard to predict. Um, the reason I say Pich- uh, Michigan and Pennsylvania is because they were two states that he focused on, in terms of bringing back mining jobs and kind of skilled work um, that haven't really appeared. And I think people believed him in 2016. Obviously, that's why they voted for him. Um, and I think, I don't, I just, maybe it is just rose tinted spectacles, but I do genuinely believe there have been so many promises made to people in those states that have been broken that it, the only logical outcome now is to vote against him. Mm hmm. Whether that happens or not, on a big enough scale to flip red states blue, I don't know. But I don't. Know. That, that's maybe I'm just being too rough. Whatever happens, <laughs> it's pretty much not possible to predict this this election. Essentially, yeah. But we're going to anyway. Yes. <laughs> we already you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just what we do. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> going to be very interesting and gripping, and everything of politics nerd like like ourselves will will love i think it's probably the most important election since obama's victory in 2008 mm. people maybe even maybe even further than that. that elections are like forks in the road but this very much is like a fork in the road there are very much two distinct ways you could take this mm. election either four more years of trump or a whole new direction with Democrats. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever happens, the entire world will oh, be yeah. watching again, and it's no cliche to say Including that. Including us. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Always. Always. <laughs> Any election. <laughs> um, 
speaking of Israel. Told you I'd, I'd gone a little <laughs> yeah, bit I wasn't far that, out yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you know, but um, Israel held an election a few yeah, months yeah. ago that n- nobody really won because they couldn't form coalitions. But since then, the I suppose carrying on because he was prime minister before Benjamin Netanyahu. <laughs> Benjamin that's the one, um, has been indicted with fraud. Right. I hadn't so he's, he's facing some serious accusations of campaign finance problems mm. in Israel. So I, the only outcome to that I can see to predict is that Israel's going to have to have another election next year because it's already a mess as it is. And now, it's, for, for a relatively long time, Netanyahu's been in charge. Mm. It's been relatively mm. stable in terms of electoral, like, in terms of um, electoral yeah. outcomes, it's it's always been fairly comfortable outcomes for Netanyahu recently. Um, obviously, now Israel's got a hung parliament, as we'd call it, <clears throat> and now now the country's leader, who has been such a face of Israel for the past few years, has been indicted with well crime essentially. Mm. Um, I, I can't see any way out of this. Mm. Really, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Actually, yeah, certainly one to keep yeah. an eye on, and. Australia. <laughs> you know, we're going on a world trip. Um, I mean, if you're going to predict that they're going to have a new Prime Minister, it's not a particularly insightful one, in my opinion. <laughs> what do you mean? Are you actually going to say, are you going to say that? Yes, right, okay. but maybe for different reasons. Are they due an election this year anyway? I'm not sure. I just know that they have a lot of Prime Ministers, one after the other. <laughs> well, true, but I think... The, is the current Prime Minister Scott Morrison? I should probably have done my research I know, better. I know what he looks like. But never mind, anyway. His name at the moment, yeah. My last prediction would be that Scott Morrison steps down because it's kind of not, I mean, it's kind of not really his fault. But so far from what I've seen, um, the Australian government's handling of the forest fires in the country has Mm. been, I mean, they're doing the best. But I guess with forest fires that large, you can't, there's only so much you can do, isn't there? Mm. but yeah, I feel like he might be pressured into stepping down due to inadequate responses. Mm-hmm. Whether or not responses are adequate or not is a separate issue, but I at least have another leadership contest, maybe mm-hmm. another election. I'd agree with that. But it's quite sad for the reasons why, yes. should yeah, we say. It's another instance of tragedies being politicised. As you can see... Yeah. On so the, that's on my five. <laughs> uh, not a very... Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> Good plug there, but uh, sorry, <laughs> couldn't resist. <laughs> um, so it's worth a go. That was our predictions for 2010, 2020, and uh, we shall see how that goes. Um, but... I think we oh, revisit yeah. this next year at uh, uh, this yeah. time. We'll, we'll revisit and yeah. see how many we, we got do right this again next year, and then we shall we shall do that. Before that, though, we shall see how we got on. Um, with these, it's a bit like making Premier League table predictions. <laughs> oh, it's a nightmare, um, isn't it? <laughs> but yes, thank you very much for listening to our earlier podcast this year. Sorry we didn't keep it up, but uh, we both, um, me, Jack and Mac, got uh, very deep into uni work, I think. Swamped, yeah. <laughs> I think would be the word. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to make a commitment yes. to, the, to the fans? Our three fans. Are we back next year for good? <laughs> Including us. I, yeah. I say we we're back, back next year. We shall be back We're, we're going to do it. We shall keep it up. Uh, we, shall, we shall battle through. We're going to stick to it. <laughs> and, such and uh, bring these to you on a more regular basis. But 
Yes. Give the fans what they want. Merry Christmas to you, yeah. <laughs> and, and Merry... Yes. And to you, Adam, Merry and to Mac, to who's not here. Yes. And Merry to all the listeners. To you all. And it, we shall see you next year. Or shall we do a New Year's edition? We shall see. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye on us. See what happens. So, Merry yeah. Christmas, everyone. Thank you for listening. And we shall... Yes. See you soon. Not the, not not see you soon. Definitely in the new year. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll see be back. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> see you guys.